So we want to shout out our new listeners from France, Germany, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and of course, our dear friends in Los Estados Unidos. If you want to support us, head over to Romance at a Glance on Patreon, where we have such perks like stickers, a surprise box, an exclusive discussion group, and more. Ooh. So thanks for listening. And now it's time to get nasty. Romance at a Glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a Glance. What you saying Romance now? at a Glance. Go ahead, girl. Well, hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shawnee. How are you doing today, Shawnee? I'm doing great, Bridget. Are you ready for Lover Enshrined? Let's get into it. Okay, I just want to start off by saying that I don't like Fury. <laughs> I just wanted to get it out of the way because it has really been hanging over our heads as a friendship. Mm-hmm. And it has been very hard for me not to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in past books I have told you, I think he's a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. I was hoping his book was going to be illuminating. And it was illuminating in a direction I did not like. Bridget, like when sometimes when we agree or disagree, like I'm always waiting. Like when's the day we're going to really disagree? Today's not that day. Okay. <laughs> Fury is beyond a snooze fest for me. And I, like, the last book, I was like, ooh, it's a, fil- it's a book to get to the next book. And I'm normally this book to me should be the next book that it's getting to. But this for me was just like, dear God, can I just get through this so I can get to the next book? I, you tricked me because I literally thought you were going to be like, today's day, I love fear. And I was about to be like, my mind was about to literally explode like a watermelon like with that? a hammer. You like how I did that? I did like how you did that. <laughs> okay, well, let's catch the people up. Okay. So this book is about Fury and Cormia. Cormia, of course, is the chosen who is supposed to be his first mate and was tied down and gagged so that he could <laughs> perform the ceremony. Uh, because as we know, the directress was a crazy hell. Yeah. And we do not like her. And... Fury thankfully recognizes that she's not into it and does not rape her on accident. And yeah, and so he takes her back to the Brotherhood's mansion and thus enfolds the rest of this book. So that's what happened at the very end of the last book, kind of setting the stage for this book. This is book number six of the Black Dagger Brotherhood. Paranormal romance, of course, vampires. If anyone's on board with vampires, biting, sucking, loving. I'm on board. I'm on board. So on board. Uh, you know, here's one thing that we haven't actually talked about, and I want to quickly, briefly talk about it at the beginning. Okay. Because I just think it deserves a little bit. So if you guys don't know yet, Shawnee is an avid listener of her books, whereas I am a reader of my books. And we have yet to talk about the narrator who actually narrates the whole series. So well, tell me a little bit about the narrator of this series. Okay, so Jim Frangione, uh, he's the narrator. And honest to God, I mean, I listened to him a long time ago, and he didn't bother me. So he never stuck out. But when I was listening specifically to see if I liked him because a lot of readers on Audible do not like him. Yeah, some of those comments are vicious. Um, then when I, when I actually was like, oh, he does kind of bother me a little bit, but only when it was pointed out. Mm. Like in the beginning, he was just like a general. He didn't add. He's no Stephen Fry. You know how I love Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I do not like how he mispronounces certain things. And he, there's a few things over the course of the books that he mispronounces, and I don't know how no one caught it. And yeah. you know how I feel about him saying Tupac. Tupac. Like, like the rapper. <laughs> Tupac. Tupac. Shucker. Shucker. You know? Shukra? Like, uh, I'm just like, ah, that's a really important name to, like, get, you know, to pronounce correctly. Also, it's so easy to look it up on the internet. Yeah. Because Tupac is every, I mean, like, you could find anyone saying Tupac, just Google Tupac. Yeah. And, and everyone says his name right. When I, when I was narrating audiobooks, 
um, I would read through the entire like manuscript, find all the names or things I didn't know how to pronounce, and then I would look them up or talk to the author and see how they wanted it pronounced. Sure. And then the author always listened down to the book and made any notes or corrections that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know exactly how they're doing it and how that wasn't caught and how a bunch of other things weren't caught. Yeah. So so for me he's like a, he's like a solid 6. It's like it doesn't he doesn't really bother me, but I wouldn't say he's, you know, the greatest. And that's so interesting. I'm going to tell you a fun fact. Tell I me. listened to part of this book because I was driving around my kids and cleaning my house and so I was like, oh, I'll just listen to it cuz I got to get through this book, make sure that I have all my notes. I hated him. I thought he was terrible. First of all, I could not distinguish between the different people, which I, when you have, like, in her book, she's not always saying, Rath said, or whatever. Yeah. So a lot of times you need the context of what's going on. And all the brothers sounded the same to me. Oh, yeah. But when I read it, they all sound so different. And the way she describes them, of course, is very different. Um, And then he did some weird, like, accent things for, like, the lessers and but but my general thing, which a couple of the audible things I looked at said, is that he's very boring. He's yeah. very monotone. In a series that's very exciting, I would say, and very, like, world-building and interesting. There's vampires and, like, a lot of heat and passion, and he's just reading. And then she licked his neck over his pulse point, and I'm like, that's it? <laughs> is it not like and then he licked I'm like yeah. tell me about the licking yeah. and he's not he's not telling me about the licking in the way that I would want to be told so I wonder just in his own defense if that was a note that he was given so some authors Could do be. not want you to dramatize because they feel like you're changing what their, they wrote what they wrote Could in be. your dramatization uh, so he might have been asked to do a drier reading mm-hmm. but um Two, sometimes I like the dry reading. I just need you to provide me with what's happening. And in my mind, right. I create the like, interesting the interestingness of it all. So to me, it doesn't really take away. But I think it's, he does make it harder to get through the lesser parts. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. That brings us to our author fun facts. Oh, yay. Okay. So I have some fun J.R. Ward facts for you okay. this week. I'm ready. Hit me. J.R. Ward does not consider herself creative. Really? She considers herself a businesswoman and that she is in the business of creating an experience in each of her books that is reliable for her audience and delivers what they want to hear, which is a happily ever after story wrapped in this world. And so that's what she does. So different characters, different different plot lines. But if you break down the books, it's always the same. Girl meets boy, boy meets girl. There's conflict in the middle, but they're in love. They bond together. They overcome the conflict. There's a happily ever after. And then you have, obviously, all the side elements and sort of fantasy and paranormal and things like that. But that is what she considers herself. Not a creative writer, not a creative person, but a businesswoman who gets her shit done. I mean, I mean, I don't believe her. Like, <laughs> she can consider herself, you know, a flying monkey for all I care. I mean, she's writing creatively. So, well, as we discussed in our previous fun fact, she channels all of the books. That's right. So she doesn't actually feel like she's coming up with the story. She's more channeling it from somewhere else. So oh. I, I can see why she I guess I that. could see that. I also like the idea of her thinking of herself as a businesswoman because as we've talked about in some of her patron episodes and on some other things – uh, I think it would behoove authors to think of themselves more as a business. You are a t- you are a small business, and your business is writing books. But it should also be 
how you're presenting those books, how you're presenting yourself, how you're selling your merch. And she definitely has the business of, I mean, the machine of writing the books on time, you know, writing so many a year. She has, like, her side merch. She has her visual image. She's always, like, in black or white. With the tiny glasses. With the tiny glasses. <laughs> and, like, you know, kind of has that image. So I, I can see it. Uh, our second fun fact is related to being a businesswoman as okay. well. She writes 365 days a year without exception, 10 hours a day, even on vacation. Like on Christmas? Every day Without of the year. Without exception, huh? Without exception. I don't know about the 10 hours a day being every day. Maybe on Christmas she writes five. But I do know she writes, she says, no breaks. Even on holidays, she always is writing. Does she say it's consecutively, like the hours are consecutive? She did not say in the interviews that I read. She must be a, like a fun mom. I think she's like, <laughs> I think she's just like, I think honestly she treats this as her job. And so she wakes up in the morning. She probably has breakfast with her husband and her kid. And then she goes into her office, sits at her computer, writes all day long, probably breaks for lunch. Okay. Actually, I know she breaks for lunch because she eats with, like, two of the people who work at her house. And then some of the characters from Bourbon Kings were based on them. Oh, really? Uh, nice. another, that's a side fun fact. I wasn't planning on telling you that one, but oh, side fun fact. I actually really like that a lot. Uh, but I'm trying yeah, she has a, a daughter. She's a beast. And so I guess my thing is, like— how much quality time can are you and, and you know and I'm being super judgy right now, but like, how much quality time are you spending with your family if 365 days you are you are working that much? That includes the weekends. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, well, um, I think well, it depends on the it hours. On the I guess age. I guess also of your kid. But the kids go to school for like six hours. Kids right? go, no, they go to school for like eight. Eight hours? Yeah. Okay, well, then I guess, They're like, gone, like, eight hours. So, I mean, really, you're only, maybe then she's waiting till after bedtime, and then she writes another two hours. I don't know what her schedule is. First of all, how do you switch but your brain a lot of, like that? Think That's about amazing. a lot of kids, a lot of kids, a lot of parents go to work from, they leave for work at eight and come home at six or seven. I mean, that's 10 hours right there. Listen. So it's about the same. I guess it's about the same, but I also think that's ludicrous. Like, <laughs> I think it's insane. I had one time, only ever in my life, that I have, actually, now I have this again, but- did I have a boyfriend who who worked a nine to five? Yeah, and I hated it. I was like, I cannot do this. You leave in the morning. As soon as we wake up, you're gone, and then you come home in time to eat dinner, and we go to bed. Mm. Like that is not the life I want to live. My yeah. parents did not live that life. They were like touring all the time, and so they were home for weeks and weeks and gone for weeks and weeks. But I got great amount of time with them when they were home, like uninterrupted time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like. That's more comfortable to me. So so I know people have to do it, and I'm not really judging that. But for me, that shit is ludicrous. Like, your whole day gone? You better be paying me bank. Bank. Uh, well, she does get paid a lot of money because she, she has, like, she 50 bestsellers. But, um, no, I agree. I mean, as you know, I purposefully do not work more than, like, 9 to 3 so that I can hang out with my kids in the morning, drop them at daycare, and then pick them up from daycare. Because I don't want them to be like the first kid at daycare and the last kid picked up. Um, <laughs> That's so nice. That when they get slightly older, I will probably still work the same amount. And then I will have fun Bridget time until they get <laughs> home from school activities. We're going to Wii Spa. Yeah, we're going to the spa. We're going to just read some. I mean, right now I just read a lot of books for this podcast. It's great. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the book. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Because oh, this wait. is a long, long one. This is a long book. Uh, okay, let's just start at the beginning. Let's talk about the Omega and how he has a son. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm slightly confused about this. Okay. And maybe you can shed some let's light. I feel like I missed something in the reading. Maybe because Jim Frangione made me, bored me. But, um, <laughs> so I thought that 
the Omega turned Lash into his son. No, Lash is his son. Lash is his son. Yeah, so at the beginning of the book, when the Omega is talking about how he, the vampire woman died birthing his son, yes. and then they gave that son to one of the Glymera families to raise, that kid is Lash. Got it. Okay, yes. so I didn't realize that they'd given it. Okay, so then when he sends the, the guy out with a mugshot and is like, go find this this person. He knows it's his he son. He knows it's his son. Okay. And that's why when his son died, when Lash dies in the hospital, yeah. the Omega's like, D- cease your search. Like, I found him because he's dead and he's the Omega, so he has, like, purview over all dead things. Yeah. So they go and find him, and then that's why he, like, restarts That's why his they heart. found Havers. That's how they found the hospital. Right. Havers Hospital. Right. Okay. And that's also why Lash isn't a typical lesser, why he can eat and why he can fuck, because he is the Omega's son. He is not a lesser. And he's also a vampire, Although too. he's lesser-like, I guess. And he's half-vampire, yeah. Yeah. So he's not made solely by the... Right. ...the Omega. Okay. Yeah. So Got that was it. a twist that I didn't see happening. It kind of... I have a few thoughts about it. One, the Omega is gross and is raping people all the time, and I don't like it. Two, <laughs> he's always raping. He's somebody. always raping some lessers. Two, being a lesser is terrible. Yeah, you really get duped into that, and then it's a real shitty, shitty life. Uh, I kind of was mad that with as horrible as lashes as a person, yeah, that it's like explained away by him being the Omega's son. In in a, in a sense, versus like people and vampires are just sometimes bad, are just sometimes like a dick. Yes, yeah. and I f- am a little bit like, oh, but now it's like, oh, well, he couldn't have helped it because he's the Omega Sun, and he always had evil in him, and he's always try- trying to rape people. <laughs> he's always and he's trying to rape people. He tried to, to rape, rape John, Matthew, John Matthew, and then he got his throat slit, and that's what you deserve. Yeah. Uh, but let's go back to John Matthew and Quinn. Let's catch up with them a little bit later. Okay. okay. So we're both flabbergasted. About that. I really want to hear your opinion about the wizard. In Fury's mind, his mind wizard. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to lie to you. I think that the narration could have done a little something with the wizard. Because, um, but maybe because it didn't, it also worked really well. Because Fury's um, thought process and the things he were saying would go in, in and out of the wizard, you know, shit talking him. So the wizard is essentially like, um, not your conscience, but your... Your devil on your shoulder. Sure. So it's like the devil in Fury's mind. Um, and he talks about when it first appeared when he was, uh, you know, uh, a kid or when he was mm-hmm. younger. And um, and so the wizard, the wizard is just basically every bad thought you'd ever think about yourself and right. every doubt you'd ever have um, and whatnot. But the wizard was really getting on my nerves. I hated it. <laughs> like, I hated it. First of all, we've never been introduced before. Yeah. So when it came out, I was like, this is fucking weird. Because we've been in Fury's point of view in every single book so far. And then all of a sudden, there's this wizard. And I'm like, where's he been? Yeah. Because we've been in his mind the whole time. And the and the scribe vir- virgin was like, I know about the wizard. I know. I was like, <laughs> this is so stupid. And then I was like, when the scribe virgin said that, I was like, oh, maybe the wizard is like the Omega or some other evil thing that's really trying to like taint the brotherhood or something. Maybe it's like an outside influence. No. I feel like sure the, not. I feel like the wizard. It's his negative self talk. It's his negative self talk, and that I feel like named. it's, it's um, easier. He's self medicating it with with his addiction sure. to um, to drugs, or they're both like codependent. The wizard and the drugs come together, you know, to to uh, create that like overshadowing, you know, creature that's always on Fury's back. Yeah, because he does say that when and it's I mean honestly it's almost like any sort of addiction or 
or any sort of negative self-talk. It's like once you recognize that you're more powerful than your self-talk, you're like, oh, I'm in charge of my own destiny. Yeah. And that's kind of the realization that Fury comes to. is like, oh, you're weak and you lied to me and you're not real and I'm real and I can do this and be a good man and kick my addiction and go to go to you know AA. AA. But damn it took him a long But damn it took him a long time to get there. Time to get there. <laughs> and he went to some crazy places. Uh I do like that we found out a lot about Fury's more about Fury's backstory mm-hmm. because in it with Zadis we hear what he went through mm-hmm. but now we hear what Fury went through with his parents mm-hmm. and it was really sad was so sad like when he talks about like his mom not even really acknowledging that he's there or talking yep. about his house going from this lush amazing beautiful you know plants everywhere to being overgrown mm-hmm. and like dilapidated mm-hmm. to watching like his father incessantly go out to search for his brother only to miss him by a week yeah, you know, and then just drink himself, to and death. then just drink himself to death, and beat up Fury when he tries to save his life, and he's like, "No, that's how I, I was trying to die. Mm-hmm. Like, let me die." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just seeing what Fury went through on the other side, and then on top of that, when him and Zeta's get in the fight, he's like, "You got to be grateful," and Zeta's like, "Fuck you, I'm not, I'm not grateful." And mm-hmm. I was like, "You ungrateful motherfucker!" Like, <laughs> okay, that was on my list of things to talk about. Okay. I get that Zeta's was really worried about Bella being pregnant, but that was some fucked up shit. That was some fucked up shit. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not grateful that you're not still chained in a basement getting fucked every day by a whole bunch of people? You can die in a ditch. Yeah. I should have let you die in a ditch. Yeah. Like He shot off his like own leg. Yeah. Like, I mean, that part, I don't think you need to thank someone for shooting off their own leg. Like, I get, I get where he's coming from. Like, I'm still fucked up. But you got to say thank you for getting me out. Yeah. Like, you didn't fix everything. Like, I'm still there some nights. Okay, that's fair to say. Uh, Bella didn't fix everything either. But, yeah, I think not saying thank you is pretty fucked up. Or not saying I'm sorry for, like, forcing you to beat yourself up. Although he did kind of say I'm sorry for that, I guess, in in Zeta's book. He did yeah. apologize for, like, making him beat him up. But I was stuff. just like, how ungrateful, Yeah, man. I did not like that at all. It also did not jive for me with his previous book, Character Development. Yeah. Like, it didn't. Where they oh, left it. Right. Yeah. But then again, they did say that, like, if Bella died or the young died, then Zetas might slip back to that version of himself. But yeah, I was like, that's fucked up. That is <laughs> fucked uh, All the way up. You are a ungrateful piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> and also, if I was fair, I'd be like, fuck you then, bro. I'm not talking to you. I wouldn't, like, go get heroin or go smoke more. I'd be like, I know. deuces. Deuces, bro. <laughs> Fine. If you don't care about me, I'm going to go have sex with this chosen I'm in love with, but refuse to acknowledge that I'm in love with her because I feel like she's being dragged into this, even though she keeps consenting and I'm ignoring her consent because I'm a little piece of shit. Yes. You just sum you just summed it up. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about their sexy scenes. I only okay. want to talk about Cormia and him for a little bit because honestly, I think they were so little of the book. They were to me. so little of the book, and I, I was think, like, "Where are they?" They're not in it because their love story is is very basic. Yeah, I felt uh, like it was more about Cormia's development as like a was. person than than it their was. love. It was. It was about their separate issues. There, it was not a love story of them together. It was yeah. like about their separate issues, and then they just like end up together. Yeah. Uh, I did the scenes that I did like between them uh, were the scene where he draws her. Oh yeah, I was like, that's so. And like, she looks at herself and she's like, is that what I look like? And he's like, that's how I see you. And I was like, oh. but then he covers her up with the flowers, and yeah. she's like, well, you're ruining it. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, 
I liked the scene where he's like, there's there's vines covering everything. She's like, well, we can cut them back. And like when he's in the thralls of his withdrawal, she like yeah. helps him sort of clean out his mind is, is kind of how I thought of it. I thought that was really sweet. Um, I was, I thought my favorite part of the whole book of them was the very end when they're with the Chosen at Reverend's camp, at Revenge's camp. And they're having sex outside and then they both count down and all of a sudden you hear like the fire alarm go off and <laughs> like the chosen, like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to burn it. And then you hear the vacuum going because everyone's vacuuming all the time because it's like, and you know that they're like living a richer life and that everyone's exploring and happier. Yeah. Uh, I liked that scene a lot. I honestly like, I guess the only other big scene that I can even remember is the one where they actually have sex and she like comes out of the pool naked, and Quinn Blaylock and John Matthew are like, I, "That was a good Hot scene." Damn! And he's yeah, like, "Cover up," scene. and she's like, "Why?" She's like, "Why? You don't belong to me. I don't <laughs> give a fuck what you think." <laughs> and he's just like stalks you know. her, and then she like takes a shower in front of her with the door open, and then she's like, "She knows she gonna get it." She she said in her mind, she's yeah. like, "Oh, I'm about to get fucked." Yeah, I did like they had their little um uh when she washes him in the bath mm-hmm. scene or whatever, yeah. where I was like, "Okay, is this where they're finally?" gonna and then like you know so I was happy I really liked that um that John Matthew and them were there yeah when she was like butt naked because I was very empowering moment it was very empowering and when he's like cover up and she's like no yeah I was like ah all the feels right now like get it girl what did you think about John Matthew the way she handled John Matthew walking in because I actually really liked that scene with her too when John Matthew thinks that Fury raped her uh, because she was oh. a virgin, so there's blood on her, and she's crying because she doesn't think Fury loves her and that he regrets it, and uh, goes in and just like beats the shit out of Fury, and then Wrath is like, "Did this happen?" And she's like, "Look into my eyes and see that this is not what happened." Yeah, and Wrath is like, "Well, should I?" And she's like, "No, I'm in charge of my own being. If I say it's fine, then it's fine." And I was like, "Yes, yes, yes." But also, I feel her struggle as someone who's constantly not listened to. Yeah. Um, of her being like, hey, guys. Hey. Hey. No, yeah. it, it was fine. Like, we're it's yeah. cool. All good. Yeah, she, she had to, to say it like five times. She had to say it so many times, yeah. you know? And it's kind of like a thing where you say something and it's kind of like your kid, right? You tell them, like, no, you can't have a cookie. And then they look at you, dad. <laughs> Do you know sure. what I mean? Like, like I Do feel I like. Do I know that? Yeah. Uh, yes, I Like, I feel like she was talking to them saying, no, nothing happened. Telling Rath, no, nothing happened. And Rath is looking at the other two for, yeah. like, the, the real answer. Confirmation. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, no, all you need to do is look here mm-hmm. um, or whatnot. So I, I did like that. I loved that she got to explore, like, life with John Matthew. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that could have been done with Fury. I, sure. I love, I mean, I do love their scenes together. Her and John Matthew, it was super innocent and felt super innocent and mm-hmm. whatever, but I also thought those could be so romantic yeah. and so grounding for Fury to like take her to the movies. To teach and her how to do things. Teach her life. how to do things. Yeah, of and, course. It makes no sense that it was with John Matthew, yeah. except for that Fury's an addict and, and an a- like just a, struggling a, this whole book. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I actually didn't feel like Fury should have had a love story right now. I feel like he should have worked on his sobriety. Like, and then had a love story? Yeah, and then had a love story because this book to me was all about her becoming something, him becoming sobriety, and then at the very end of the book, them coming together. And yeah. I felt like she could do better. I felt like in their minds, I understood that there was – they each – wanted and liked the other person it did not feel like there were enough scenes of them together and 
like loving each other and liking each other and playing with each other and have like enjoying yeah. each other. Falling in love. Falling I in love like was wasn't there. Love. I do again think partially it's paranormal romance. So he bonded <laughs> with her. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things oh, where like that that, was the I other felt thing. like that was such an easy cop out. Okay, so like, the bonding thing also was a thing because he didn't actually bond and get the bonding sent until much later. Uh, and I, I was questioning and I still don't know, like when does the bonding happen? Is it like when you see them when you feel them, is it because he had so much drugs in him? I he was not in touch. Drugs. With that's that? that's what I. That's my, or at least that's how I read it. Was that he was so fucking stoned the whole time that he was completely suppressing all of his like physical urges, and then he also f- is like such a like martyr. Yeah, that he felt bad for wanting her at all. So he was like shutting down any of those like physical responses or trains of thought. But for me, the big thing was that he's a drug addict. So he was like, so, I mean, he's spending like a thousand dollars a week on. Oh my gosh. That man was, that man was three sheets to the wind. I did like when, when uh, Zadis went to revenge and Mm -hmm. was like, yo, don't sell my brother no more shit. Mm -hmm. And revenge looked like he was about to summon the fuck off. But then he like looked into his like psyche and saw the things that he had gone through. And he was like, okay, dude, like, Mm-hmm. I feel you. I see you. I won't do it no yeah. more. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was you're a my brother-in-law. good scene. Yeah. Okay. I'll also, do you <laughs> also, you're my brother-in-law and my wife might be pissed. And if she gets pissed, my life ain't good. So <laughs> so let's talk about revenge because he's starting to get more and more time in these books. And I am so for it. Uh, tell me what your thoughts were about his blackmail and his payment of the blackmail. Well, there was, okay, so his, the blackmail is that he has to go to this other sympath, uh, queen or woman who um, she's keeping his secret that he is uh, living as a sympath out in the world and he has to go have sex with her any way like she wants kind of um, once a month which and Zex it's because of Zex so Zex did something that they don't specify Mm -hmm. but in order to cover it up he does this for her every month so Zex feels like hugely responsible for this Mm -hmm. um there's a point where he says that he kind of likes it. Yeah. Like, it's like he's fighting it, but part of him was like... It's the only time he ever gets to let all of his senses free and be sort of like the... Interesting, like, be embrace his sympath side versus most of the time he's living as, like, the vampire half of himself. And that's the only time he can, like, let loose. Yeah. But, you know, she's also a sympath, so she can go into his mind. So he's, he's like, always thinking of the beach. Yeah. <laughs> They're the together, the beach. you know, and she's like, she's like, you're always, you know, thinking of, of that. And he's just like, yeah. keep the beach, keep the yeah. beach. <laughs> and she's like, first of all, I think the triple knuckle thing, I was like, Ooh, she probably yeah. looks like a little spider. <laughs> and then uh, he talks about she wears this like poisonous webbing and wears a like poison on her lips. Yes. So by the time he's done having sex with her, he's like in anaphylactic shock and he's about to die. And Trey has to, like, take him back to his house and shoot him up with antivenom and dopamine. That was was so weird to me. I didn't quite understand. I think it's it's because it's a power trip. So if he ever asked her not to wear it, then she wins the power exchange because he's admitting weakness to her because she's full sympath and it doesn't affect her. So after she gets all this venom on him, Trey literally has to carry him back to the great camp and shoot him up with antivenom and dopamine to get him essentially back to normal. And he even talks about how they've been doing this for like 25 years. And 
he used to be able to just shake it off in like an hour or two. And now it's like 24 hours on his back and how Trey is worried. And he's worried that at some point he, he won't be able to come back from the venom. Uh, I feel like that's the vampire equivalent of being in your thirties. (laughs) <laughs> can't come back from a night out like you know like one glass of wine and you're like laid out <laughs> yes yeah, yeah that's fair that's a fair it's a fair i mean 25 years is like us going through five years so you yeah. know yeah and then one thing i liked about this book about revenge is that you know in bella's book he was very controlling of her and stuff but it was nice to see in this book that he does have like a kinder side and a gentler side and he's not just like this asshole pimp in his, you know, fur coat. Like we saw it with Marissa where he really likes Marissa and he stood behind her and he warned her about the seclusion thing and he voted with her. And in this book that sort of continues where when Fury asks him to sell a house to him so that he has somewhere to take the chosen, he's like, no, you can, I can't sell you anything, but you can have my camp for free and you can stay there as long as you want to. And I liked that we got a little glimpse, a little glimpse of the softer side, because I know he's going to have a book at some point, and I'm excited about his book. Also, and I don't know if I'm I'm skipping the gun here, but at the very end of this book, he becomes the Leodier, like the yeah. head of the Glymera. True, true. And so it's kind of like it's interesting because I always say I like people who are slightly shady. Yeah. Because sometimes you got to get away with stuff. And if you're with somebody who's like, no, we must always do the right thing. You're like, oh, fuck my life right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So I like that he's going to become the head. He's yeah. also like super savvy yep. and smart. Everybody else before had been like, you know, very much um, stuck in their ways and not willing to grow. And so I, I and like. He's definitely going to side with wrath and, and help the species. And- yeah. Help them grow in a, in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they led up to that in this book, gave you more of his humanity and um, where more where you can see that he will become, um, he'll be more understanding because he's going through some things. I mean, he's like, has to have sex with somebody forcefully on the daily. You know, he might have compassion for mm-hmm. some things later on. So I thought that was good, really cool about revenge. Yeah. And we got a nice glimpse into his friendship with Zex. Like they even say, yeah. like, we tried sex once. It didn't work. It did not work. And I just love how much they both like care for each other and hold each other's secrets, but are also worried about how closed off they are from everyone else because they're half sympath. Um, and when I, and when Zex is like trying to ask him like where are you going or what like and she wants to take him to the meeting she mm-hmm. feels terrible mm-hmm. about him having to go to this lady and I felt so bad for her like in that moment I had forgotten that you know she was the reason for this and I was like oh and then that night that she feels so bad Quinn and Boylock and John Matthews we are gonna take a quick break and after our quick break we're gonna come back and we're gonna get into it oh let's make this break so quick what happens with John Matthew and Zex Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group, where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. Okay, this is what happens. The hottest shit ever. This whole book, I thought was real vanilla. Not a lot happening in the old Cormia Fury scene. Yep. But John Matthew, Ooh. he's giving Zex. Ooh. And she's giving it to him. Wait. The business. Okay, wait. Let me just take it one the step sexy, back Sexy, sexy, pre-business to the business. Business. The foreplay to the foreplay. Okay, but wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, Bridget, wait. Okay. It was hot. 
I'm gonna let you talk about this, except I just have to mention one scene in this book early on. Okay. Where John Matthew is masturbating. Oh. He's masturbating and he's not thinking of sex at first. Uh He's masturbating. He's getting close to the end. He's like, oh, okay, my dick is getting numb. That's what happens before I start coming. And then, bam, sex is in his mind. And he's like, fuck, man. Like, and he loses it. And the book describes him coming and coming as in, like, he's flooding the bed full of cum. And he can't. And he's like, he's like writhing. And and I was like, oh, my God. God, like yeah. at the end, he's just curled over in a ball, in and a I was ball, just like, in a gooey, a juicy, juicy ball. I was like, OMG. First yeah. of all, J.R. Ward wrote that scene. Like, there was, she sat down and yeah. wrote that, and I was just like, you know, it's just a slow clap. Slow so then, clap. No, no, take after it away. That, John Matthew, not feeling so good, drinking too much, goes into the bathroom. And Zex is like, or no, actually, she doesn't go to the bathroom. She sees him, and he's looking at her with that, like, she says, like, oh, he's not a boy boy anymore. That's the look of a man who, like, wants to fuck. Yeah. And she tells him, (laughs) think of me when you come. Say my name. It'll be better for you. Oh. And he, like, almost comes on the spot. He's like, I got to go, guys. (laughs) I got to go. I gotta go. See, I thought oh, I so thought hot. what happened was he went into the bathroom to vomit. That's and, the next one. That's, oh, that's when he ne- gives her the note. Oh yeah, that's okay. Okay, yes. So the next time he's at the club again is he feels like shit because he's just been literally chugging, chugging, chugging alcohol because torment just got back. Yes. And he goes into the bathroom, thinks he's gonna throw up, doesn't throw up, is looking in the mirror and like basically inspecting himself as a man for the first time, like looking at his fangs. Looking in the mirror, checking out his muscles. And she comes in and she's like, is this the first time you've looked at yourself? And he kind of like shrugs at her. And then he tells her, he's like, I think you should be with me. And he like jacks up his pants so she could see his heart on. Oh, yeah. Didn't and he say, I want to fuck you? Yeah, he's like, I want to, he mouths like, I want to fuck you. And she like gets a little heated and looks down at the crotch. And he's like, I think you should be with me. And then he gives her a note because she has to go like break up a fight. Yeah. And when she gets home later that night. She sees the note and it says, say my name, you'll come harder. And I was like, John And then she does twice. And I was like, yes. yes. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, people. I just, I love their so scenes hot. together. I almost wish I could like edit all the books. Honestly, all their scenes together. Bus, I could just lose the, all the lessers. Yes. Lose all Fear and Cormia and just keep all the scenes with Blaylock, Quinn, John Matthew, and John Matthew and sex. Sex. yeah, and revenge. I like revenge. Yeah, I do like him. He's like the mature man that like yeah. that. He's suave. Yeah, he's suave. suave. Right, mm-hmm. be like, mm, you could be my sugar oh, daddy. You know what I'm saying? I'll take you in my belly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, get into my mind. No, That's I, okay. I, I consent. Yeah, I consent to the mind fucking. <laughs> I, I'm just all about it, as you know, dear listeners. I am all about John Matthew. I think that his story in general has been the most compelling throughout. Yeah. Because we've gone on such a ride with him. He's been in every book. He starts out in such a like sort of small and vulnerable, sad place. Like he grows so much as a character before he even transitions. So much happens. Wellesley dies. Tor poofs. Like he's left alone. You're so hopeful for him. You're so hopeful for him. You're like, please. You want him to be so happy. And now. You know, and in this book, he goes through the shit, too. Lash tries to rape him during a fight, which leads Quinn to slit his throat and kill him, even though they're first cousins, which leads to the entire thing where Quinn almost gets 
sentenced to death or put in jail for the rest of yeah, his like life. Yeah, like murder. And then he became becomes the John Matthews Asterix Nostrum. Nostrum, yeah. Nostrum. So basically his bodyguard his for bodyguard. life, only yeah. way out is death. He gets this chain like linked around his neck he'll never take off and a t- tattoo, like teardrop inked on his face saying that he's willing to shed blood for him. Uh, I was a love cool, that scene. That with friendship. Wrath or? Yeah, with Wrath, with Vicious, like with with Quinn just becoming a man. Like that's the scene yeah. where he he realizes like his duty kind of and embraces it. Yeah. Um he you saw, you saw him like like grow up in yeah, a moment. In a moment. Yeah. yeah. Especially because he had all this angst from his parents mm-hmm. and, and everything yeah. um at that point. And I think at I'm not sure at this point. No, he, his he parents already had, had the honor guard. They'd already kicked him out of the family and yeah. struck him from all the bloodlines. But his parents hadn't been killed yet. Uh, at this point, no, they I don't get think killed so. After, yeah. So I think this is like, but he he getting, says to them like, "I thought I was all alone." Yeah, and now he's like part of something forever, and he's like a part of John Matthew and the Brotherhood. Yeah, and I was so for it, and that's kind of the only way he could get into the Brotherhood at that point mm-hmm. because the, his they mom's not a chosen. Yeah, they couldn't allow him in, so right. it was. So it was cool. So now they get to like all be together. Also, I did not know happened in this book. Let's talk about Quinn and Blaylock. Please. I did not realize that this book is when the romance uh, starts. The romance starts when he told him that he loved him. Yeah. And I was like, I forgot that he told him that. I and the, was so oh. anxious for their book. Oh my gosh. Because this is their book happens much later. And every book after this one, I was like, this is the book that's going to be about Quinn and Blaylock. And then it wasn't. And I was like, motherfuckers. That's, that's I was the, like, I want them to be together. If they don't get together, I will die. Bridget, this Love. is the book that made me stop reading series until they're finished. Oh, smart. Because now when I know like there's book four and five coming, I'm like, no, you will not get me invested. No, you will not. The devil is a lie. I will not year and wait. I have to reread all three books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like that. Uh, I started. Re- I accidentally read like what's it, Throne in Glass or something uh-huh. like that. Throne in Glass. Um, before and I didn't realize it was a series, and I was like, fuck, how did I make this mistake again? And I, I just stopped. I was like, yeah. I'm not reading not one more book until this series is done. Well, it's done. So now you can go back. <laughs> That's quite good. Which I forgot the first book, so now I got to read yeah, it. You got to reread it. Always got to reread it. <laughs> I was so – I thought the way that they portrayed their friendship – so far the whole series between Quinn and Blaylock has been lovely. Mm-hmm. How much they're, like, a part of each other. And there really is, like, one isn't going anywhere without the other. They're always together. They've always been together. Um, and they hinted a little bit in the last book when Quinn is fucking in the Abercrombie and Fitch. And Blaylock, like, goes in there and is, like – uh, and then, like runs out. <laughs> like so, they've been hinting. Yeah, and this was the first time. And I thought it was really sad that Quinn like shredded Blay so hard because he was trying to like protect. He's like, I didn't want him to like, you know, be sad about me forever and wait for me forever. I'm gonna be in jail or I'm gonna be dead or I'm gonna run away. I want him to like move on and find someone else. Yeah. And John Matthews like, are you that important? He's like, yes, I am. Don't ask any more questions. Um, <laughs> he sure did, though. Yeah. And but he also says he's not gay. I thought it was so sad that he thought he needed to do that because poor Blay, his little heart. First of all, Blay, in my mind, I don't know how you see him. I know that he's like a big dude and he's you know one of these fighters mm-hmm. or whatever, but he is so soft in my mind. So like, soft. Like uh, I don't know the, who the equivalent of him as like a person would be, but like. 
like his emotions for me are always so openly mm-hmm. like the like it, like a free flowing you know well mm-hmm. I just imagine him being this giant teddy bear yeah or whatever and so when that happened I was just like oh my god and he had the room set aside for uh-huh. Quinn and he like and I was just like what like, yeah, you can stay here forever. forever I'll protect you forever you know which I did think was really cool of Blaze's parents who were like because um, Quinn was like I can't stay with Blaze anymore because his parents would be ostracized and and his mom was like no you, you can, can stay with you can stay with us. As long as you want, we don't care about that yeah, shit, totally. you know. And like his dad didn't, I didn't realize he used to be a fighter, yeah, which is cool dope. to find out when he's, he's like, he sees his dad fighting and he's like, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I thought I just love their story because okay, so first Quinn shreds Blay because he wants Blay to forget about him basically while he runs away, but then he decides to turn himself into Wrath and to. He basically says, like, even though everyone has said something's wrong with me because my eyes are mismatched, like, I still have my honor and I I don't have to give that away. So he goes, turns himself in. It all ends up fine. And John Matthew is like, I know something is up. We are going to go to his house and we are going to find him and tell him what happened and we are going to figure this shit out. Um, and then they thankfully go because that's when the lessers show up. So they're able to save his parents. His parents, yeah. Um, Which, let me just say, is like one of the things that was so frustrating to me uh, about the book, but it was great because it is how Revenge became the leader, was that they knew that after Haver's hospital had been uh, attacked, that all everybody's homes now were up for grabs for the lessers, that sure. they had the information or could get the information to get to anyone. They were compromised. Right. And they tried to tell everyone, hey, go to the safe house, get out of your house, like, you're not safe there. And people were like throwing parties. They were like, like, oh, nah. nah. It's not, you guys are over-exaggerating. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so. And then they all died. And then they all died, which is like survival of the fittest, really. Yeah. So it's probably better and like less frustrating for me in the future books because I won't have to deal with like a really dumb Leodire and, and council, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, uh, even and Quinn's. Uh, family gets killed as mm-hmm. well. Did Lash specifically went and killed Quinn's family, mm-hmm. right? Because he was looking for Quinn. Yeah, you know, and so it's like which is fucked up too because they're his, like that's his that, that's aunt his, and uncle yeah. and his other cousins. <laughs> but he killed his own family, so. Well, and that's that scene is so that's beautifully described, <laughs> like with the parents like propped up at the dinner table and the dogen like. And then them going back there, and it, the, she describes the smell of it, and mm-hmm. even the lessers are like, "Ugh!" And then they and then they send off some of their air freshener scent yeah. to like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was like, that must smell like you know, like roses on a turd. Yeah. Like, but uh, but I did like how she described that scene. Totally. You know, this is the only time that I've ever been like, oh, this is interesting lesser stuff. Yeah. But even so, but like, John Matthew and and uh, Quinn go mm-hmm. there go to the house mm-hmm. up into his room and mm-hmm. steal Lash's watch. But mm-hmm. I don't think they knew what was downstairs until John Matthew came down mm-hmm. and he sees Lash and that and then he doesn't believe he actually saw yeah. him. He's like, that must have been a dream. I Lash like, is gone. Yeah, like the book ended and I was like, oh wait, he still doesn't know mm-hmm. whether he not whether or not he saw him. Yeah, and I cannot remember how many books Lash is in. Like I cannot remember if he's if like the next one closes him out or if he's in like the next five. Yeah. I could not tell you right now <laughs> until we get to those books. And he's like, such a punk kid. He's like, my father, I'm, I can do this because my father, yeah. like my dad's son. Like, yeah. <laughs> Even with the other lessers or people he's recruiting, he's yeah. like, I'm your motherfucking king. And yeah. all the other lessers are like, 
Okay. Okay. He's like, I can fuck. Yeah. You know, like I can't, you know. I mean, I do have to say though, if I was sentenced to immortality and I couldn't eat food or have sex, I'd be like, what did I sign up? And then I'm getting raped all the time. I'd be like, I was sold a false bill. I'm tell you right now, I did not sign up for this. That's terrible. I wonder though, I don't, I don't know exactly what happens when they get sent back to the Omega, right? So when they get just like being tortured in hell is what they describe. Is that, is that remember what it is? When okay, that okay. one guy in the last book, he wanted, or in two books ago in Butch's book, he wanted Butch to inhale him. Yeah. But then he was for some reason the only one that Butch couldn't inhale. So he got just stabbed back to the Omega and he was like, no, because. Because it's like hell? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I wasn't quite sure. And it's weird because the Omega is like raping people in this book. But uh-huh. the way that they describe it was that uh, like uh, Mr. D said that the Omega stepped into his body mm-hmm. and did all sorts of things. And I was like, so it's not even like he's penetrated like, you know, like a dick in your butt or something like that type of rape. It's mm-hmm. like he literally put his entire essence into Mr. D's body. And then he said that he was like left bent over, not being able to stand up straight and leaking. That description... For me, it's so visceral. <laughs> I do feel like it's anal rape, though. I mean, I feel like, Because yeah. if you're leaking, I'm a, I always assume it's, like, blood leaking out. I thought it was, or, like, cum or, like, like black jizz. Or black jizz or both. But they never t- really say. They just say leaking. Oh, I just got the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I think she does do a good job of making the Omega seem crazy. Really, really, really scary. Really scary. Uh, I love how proud he is, though, of his so son, proud. though. He's like, this is my son. This is my, my son. son. <laughs> Yeah, he's so proud. You know, but she gives him a weakness, really, which it is kind of good because before I didn't feel like he really had a, a like a weakness, and I also mm-hmm. don't know what the the fight is between them, the brothers and the lessers. Like, why he says he, says, he actually says it in this book. So he was not granted an act of creation. His sister was the scribe virgin. She created the race of vampires. He decided because he wasn't allowed to create that he was just going to try to ruin her creation. So he figured out how to make lessers, which is not an act of creation so much as it is like him giving a small piece of himself to keep, you know, them alive and yeah. stuff. And so he did it basically to spite her. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I mean, I heard I heard that, but I was like, why? It's like this race between good and evil, but why? Like what's Cuz he's good. Know, he's evil and she's good. Basically. Ish. I mean, <laughs> good gooder. <laughs> Better? Yeah. Uh, let's quickly circle real fast to finish out Blaylock and Quinn and talk about that kiss. Yes. So Blay finally lets them in, tells John Matthew, I actually am in love with Quinn. He's right. And Quinn's like, I just see myself with a female long term. And I don't even think I could be faithful to that person. Like whoever you're with, I want them to cherish you and love you. So you can already see that there's like definitely a lot of caring on Quinn's side. Yes. He's like, I don't think I'm good enough for you. And, and opportunity for a throuple. Just want to insert that. <laughs> and Blaze just like, I just want to know one time. Like kiss me. And Quinn's like, I'm not sure it's a good idea. And Blaze's like, I'm sure. I'm sure. And they kiss, and then tongues start getting involved, and they're grabbing onto each other. And there's, like, that heated moment where you know things could go real far real fast. Oh, yeah. And Quinn realizes, like, he says, like, I I think this is as far as we can go right now because there'll be no turning back for you. Um, And I thought it was beautiful. And also, I love that they left the door open for them because he says – you know, like, if anyone hurts you, I'll ruin their lives yes. and put their entrails at your feet. And so he's like, what? <laughs> uh, and he also tells John Matthew, like, oh, yeah, I have sex with guys. Like, I'm totally fine with that. 
Yeah. And Blaze's like, I'm gay. Are you guys mad at me? <laughs> They're like, no, we don't care. It's fine. Wait, so the, Quinn said he'd have sex with guys? Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, okay. Quinn's like, oh, you didn't know i go that way? Yeah, I'll have sex with guys, too. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So All he's, right. he's like, admittedly bisexual. He just tells Blay, like, I think I'll be with, I'll think I'll have a Shelly. And Blay says, he, like, calls him out. He's like, is this because you think you'll be more acceptable? Because, like, you have mismatched eyes. You've never felt like you've been accepted. Yeah. And he's like, no. And Blay's like, mm. <laughs> That's right. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to reread the development because I do remember being, like, pining for them for mm-hmm. books and books and books. And just people, and they like, didn't have a book. We, we messed up, man, because they did not have a book when, when we read this. And so it was a lot of pining. So like, much pining. Like, is this going to be their book? Every time she announced a new book, I was yeah. like, is this, oh, yeah. is this, I don't care about them. I don't care this, about them. Oh, wait, yeah. I don't care about John Matthew. I don't care yeah. about anyone else. <laughs> like, this book in general, like, um, bes- like, if you took out Fury and Cormia, you know, like, I don't, I don't care about their their love whatsoever i don't even care that he overdosed on heroin i was like well whatever he annoyed me i was like go into gently into the fade yeah fade (laughs) away from us thy brother like (laughs) bye-bye you're out of the brotherhood you're out of my life and also like you know he had cormia and then he went to the chosen he was like oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna be with cormia give me another one you know and layla's like all right i'm here like don't reject me again because i've already been rejected once and then he definitely rejected her again again. poor layla can't catch a break she just wants some dick she cannot she want a baby she just wants to fuck some fools (laughs) you know she's like i have one job just let me do my one job yeah you know um and then uh i really like that is the direct the directrix is uh amalia amalia Mm -hmm. Is she a new director? Yeah. Right? Because remember got the rid last of book, the old he, one. he figured out. So, weirdly, in the last book, I feel like he was already in a better place. And I feel like in this book, he really slid down again. Because <laughs> yeah. in the last book, he realized that it was like, she shot Vicious. And he was like, no, I'm that prime male. Like, I'm in charge. And you're fired. And and then he asked her opinion. Like, oh, and she was like, oh, how about Amalia? And he like takes her thing. And they had this moment. And then... This book is like six months later, and all fuck all has happened, and he's just been smoking. Because the last book, remember they yeah, they like, slept in bed together mm-hmm. one night, yeah, the cuddle, and then he had and the, the cuddle resolve, and yeah. the the jizz on her, and she was like, "This is cool." Uh, and then I was like, "What? Is, why is like why hasn't it progressed?" Yeah, uh, nothing progressed. The one thing I did like, um, it kind of gave me a different insight into the scribe version was when him and Cormier decided that they were gonna you know, redo how the brotherhood is, is set and redo how the chosen, like the chosen have a choice mm-hmm. now. So he went to the scribe virgin and was like, hey, yeah. we, we about to rearrange this. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. Um, and it was interesting because the scribe virgin, I can't say virgin for a minute, <laughs> because the scribe virgin was like, well, okay. You know, like she was like, I saw this coming, mm-hmm. you know. And so it gave me a little bit more, um, I don't know if, uh, I guess, uh, leeway for her when sometimes she does things that I don't understand. I'm like, mm-hmm. why would she do that? That don't make sense. Uh, but maybe it's because she's just seeing so far ahead sometimes that she knows that something has to happen right. in order for... She sees, like, what current path they're on. Yeah. And realizes that something needs to change. Yeah. 
So I feel like she kind of says that. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I, like, I foresaw this and things do need to change. And she doesn't really fight him on that at all. Yeah, I also thought the point he makes, which is like, you created us. Like, now let us be free and yeah. let us show you that we're worthy of, like, worshiping you and stuff. Which I feel like a lot of parents could really take a page from. Which is every It's like, you created this life. <laughs> like, now trust them and let yeah. them let them flourish or let them fall, but like trust that they're gonna do it. Yeah, uh, I like I really liked that sentiment. That's like um when we were talking the other day about like uh, as a postpartum doula, mm-hmm. my job is to work myself out of a job. Mm-hmm. So if by the time I leave the home, the parents aren't self sufficient, I have not done my job correctly. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same for parenting. If your kids reach a certain age and they're leaving the home and they can't do their laundry or they can't do cook certain a cook a meal they can't survive like all they know how to do is boil ramen yeah or call you like for everything they need then the job is not fulfilled correctly your job is to like work yourself out of being a parent mm-hmm. you know um and so i feel like it's the same for the brotherhood and the chosen it's like they, they these are warriors they've set up a new society they're doing things they're becoming more progressive it's time for you to like you know go on a cruise yeah you know what i'm saying go on, go on like birds. one of those princess carnival cruises just chill with those birds exactly you live your best life now you yes. have done your job you did it Relax. You done did it. Facials, Botox, whatever you need. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, and I, I think in that vein, she does wake up pain at the end of this book. And of oh, course, yes. Pain's first words are, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> and she's like, well, to be expected. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited to meet Pain and like see yeah. more about her. And you know, she described her as being more like the bloodletter and like aggressive and vicious and uh, so I'm excited to meet her because those are not characteristics typically given to females, and definitely not to females in this series. In like this sh- Zex is the only sort of uh, masculine attribute uh, attributed female yeah. in this series. Is Pain so hooked up with Manny Manilo? Is that her? Is that That's the, gonna be hers. Yeah. Is that who spoilers. Was? Oh, spoiler. <laughs> I mean. If you're I mean, this listening, whole, this whole thing is a spoiler. Thing. Did we not mention that at the beginning an hour ago? We never get spoiler alerts. Never, it's just you should know. If you got to this episode, you should know. You we should just, already. We know. just tell all the things. <laughs> uh, yes, it is Manny though. I do not remember how they get together though. Not at all. But I am excited. Oh, I totally do, but I'm not going to say. Okay, it. don't say. I, I don't remember. Um, but anyways, I'm excited to meet her and get into her character more. Um, and I did, okay, like a couple of other things, like, again, by say quick things. <clears throat> Let me start over. I just said 18 words at once. A few other notable things that happened in this episode, and by episode I mean book, is Torment comes back. Lassiter yes. brings him back. So he was, like, living very sadly on deer blood and basically thinking, like, oh, if I give the least amount of effort possible in keeping myself alive and then die, it's not committing suicide so I can still go to the fade. And I was like, I think that's a really fucking thin line that you're running Super in thin your line. logic. Um, but we Lassiter. Do meet, we do meet Lassiter. Which, that shocked me. Because I, I was like, oh, wait, there's a fallen angel in this book? I forgot about this right. fallen angel. So yeah. it makes a little bit more sense for her fallen angel series yeah. later. Yeah. I was like, oh, snap. She already I mean, had this planned in book whatever. Yeah. Six, five, whatever we're talking about. And they, 
have are the brothers have already met him. Yeah. Because they the don't brother, like him. The brothers are like, oh, it's you again. <laughs> we don't follow your religion. And I'm like, whoa, what is happening? Yeah. And then is God we- real? Is Jesus real? <laughs> oh, my brain is exploding. But then he also like wants to move in. He's like, okay, so yeah. I'll give you Tor back, but you have to take me too. And yeah. they're like, nah, dog. Yeah. Like, oh, not gonna happen God. he's like sorry I'll kill us all yeah <laughs> that's Lassiter I'll just kill us all which I won't thought, you test me which I also was like if you have the power to just like kill everyone right now it like eviscerate everyone yeah then it's like you can't find a place to stay like an Airbnb well his remember his fate is tied to torments so he has oh, yeah, to stay right. because his fate is tied to torment like coming back to life metaphorically not Got like it. literally he's still alive but like Coming back to his full self. Yeah. Um, so does Lassiter oh have God, a book it, in the Fallen Angel series? Uh, I don't think so. I think he's going to have a book in the future. Oh, interesting. So I already crisscrossed. But he's a fallen angel, which kind of makes me feel like, does he need his own book? I don't know. I mean, Because he's an angel. Like, is he going to marry a human? Like, is he going to marry another vampire? I don't know. I don't know. What if he's going to be Polly? Maybe he's our Thrupple. <gasps> Thrupple! And an MMF Thrupple. Which you hardly ever see. Every time you're on Instagram, it's always like female, female, male, female, female, male. Uh, where are the male, male females? That's that was my I'm, experience. That's what I'm and talking that's about. The experience I wanted. Although mine wasn't a throuple, because they weren't into each other. Doesn't matter. I don't. I it just was want a them into thing, me. One might say. Yeah, <laughs> it was a praising. It was, it was a praising of my body. <laughs> I was okay with it. Oh gosh, uh, that sounds like heaven. Bridges, very heaven. I'm living in your dreams right now. Thank you. Uh, I guess the only other thing is Fury does get clean after his heroin overdose, never does drugs again. He goes to AA meetings every week with humans who don't obviously know he's a vampire. Yeah. Um, I like. I actually liked the description. Like I told you, I, I liked the ending where he's with them in the camp, and I felt like he finally sort of grew up a little bit, and, and, and also the wizard wasn't as, in it as much. And he talks about how hard it is to stay... Like, not annoyed and stay sober and not reach for red smoke. And I liked that her vagina didn't solve all of his problems. <laughs> because I do think Magic that that vagina. is... vagina. Can we put that on a shirt? Yes. <laughs> uh, new t-shirt. Check out the website. Magic vagina is such a thing in romance novels. It really is. And I'm okay with it if it's something small. Like, he didn't clean up his kitchen and now that we fucked he cleans up i'm like okay yeah. fine that's totally fine but yeah like kicking like an addiction just because you fuck someone seems like a stretch so i liked that they described that it was still hard he worked really hard at it she read his moods that was one of the the parts of their relationship that i was like oh that's cool because when he's in a bad mood she just comes and she like kisses him on the cheek pats his back and then goes to do her own thing yeah and leaves him until he's ready to like rejoin and I was like, oh, that shows me that you guys actually know each other and get each other. Yeah. Didn't see that at all in the book, but at the end, okay. First of all, having a partner who knows your moods and doesn't get offended yeah. by Huge. whatever has to happen. If you're like, ah, need to be by myself. And they're like, cool. And bounce. Oh, beautiful. Huge. Super beautiful. And it's so hard to do. I feel like I'm 75% as a, a spouse. Maybe high. 80. That's pretty high. Like, I feel like I'm, and also because we've, I, we've talked through it a lot. Yeah. Which they didn't. She just like magically knows because she's just chosen dope Cormier. But um, it's hard. It's really hard. Because there's some days where I want to be like, I don't care about your mood. Be with me. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, that's crazy. Like, you need to just. This will not make the situation better. This will better. not make the situation better. <laughs> like, you're not actually going to enjoy that time because it's going to be like a forced situation. It's going to be more annoying for whatever reason. And, yeah. Uh, but it is hard to do. But it is something that I actively work on. 
Uh, I did like that they put in the little thing that she's designing Revenge's new club. Yes. Because she loves architecture. So I was like, oh, that's so fun that she's actually pursuing her her dreams. I think, actually, uh, um, I say I don't care about Fury or Cormia, but that's not true. I really did care about Cormia's development and growth in this yeah. movie. I also love the dirty dancing scene when they do actually like fuck. Yeah. When, like, yeah. He's like, have you just been rewinding this um, one scene over, scene and, over. over and over? And She's you know, like, Bridget, yeah. you and I have rewound see so many scenes. Can and Swayze's flexing booty? Yes, yes, I have. Oh, man. Yes, I, I have. And I have a confession. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Okay? Please tell me. I should have known that I was kinky when this was my favorite scene. Okay. So in The Princess Bride, okay. when Wesley gets tied down to that table mm-hmm. and they put like the, the suction, rack. the yeah, the racks and they put the suction and they keep like sucking him. And he's like, ah, and he's like in pain. When I say I rewound that scene so many times and was like sexually aroused <laughs> by that scene, like I didn't know that kink was a thing. I was so young or whatever, but I was like, yeah, I want to tie niggas down. I want to push it. Oh my God. I love it. Like, I did not know that. <laughs> I should have known I was switchy then. Like, <laughs> that is hilarious. But that, there are so was, many was like, movies that have actual sexual bondage scenes. But not that I could watch in a house that oh, okay, was severely okay, restricted okay. in terms of what my okay. mom pre-taped everything for us. So seeing, being able to see The Princess Bride was like a big thing. A big deal. You know, I saw it at my aunt's house or whatever. I used to try to watch the squiggly sex channel at my other aunt's house because she was real she was mad lenient okay okay like like (laughs) listeners i'm a brown person right and my uncle who was also a brown person is married to a white lady right and her kids could do all the things right they had hbo they had all the things that my mom would be like "Mm -mm -mm -mm, not in this house not and we'd be like man this is like a white people thing they always have cable why do they always got cable (laughs) we did not (laughs) like did we had basic tv we had like the 10 channels or 11 channels until well past me graduating from high school. <laughs> and they put... No, so, we got cable, actually. My, I was, like, a junior in high school. In high school. Okay. So, like, we would go to my aunt's house, and she put a code on the box so that all the Cinemax, whatever it was, was all squiggly. Super duper squiggly. <laughs> and we would sit there and try to watch this. Yeah, of course. And then, and then we figured out how to hack the box, as kids will do. Sure. So we could take off the squiggles. And that was, like, the most amazing day of, like, our lives. How old were you? Oh, God. I think we were, like, I think I was, like, 14 or yeah, something like that. Age, yeah. And But we had to put the code back on and change the channel faster than she could, like, get back to the room. Or, like, every time there was a noise, we were, like, diet. Like, somebody, <laughs> there was always somebody whose job was to have Who's their like, fingers it, yeah, right on, by the- on, the, on the box or whatever. <laughs> Your childhood is hilarious. <laughs> My childhood was, like, I want sneaking to, know, to do everything. I want everything. everyone to know that this is the exact example of why you shouldn't Restrict. <laughs> restrict your children or or like not educate them or allow them to understand things or see things or read things because Shani snug around and did so much. I didn't do any of that stuff because I didn't have to. So I just like <laughs> didn't care or think about it. Like I was allowed to read romance novels. I'd read, I'd read rom- not, you know, go to the library, read novels whenever I wanted. But I never like tried different things or snuck yeah. around or. And I had to quite literally, Bridget. Yeah. Uh, I stole romance novels. I got them from the library. I copied the sex pages. I had to hide them in my room. So I would take garment bags um, and they would be filled with like a hundred romance novels just stacked up, like hanging in my closet, uh, in, in the back of my closet. So it looked like my band uniform. So I took my band uniform out, put it in a garbage bag and filled all my band, <laughs> my band garment bags. With, and one day, oh my God, Bridget. So 
I just need you to know how strict and like religious my mom was. She's super lenient now, but like at that time, she was the church mom who was gonna beat your ass for like any small little side eye. So she told me I could not read these books. She hated them. Like it was a thing. And I walk, I come home from school, and as I'm walking in, I see my mom, like from across the house. I'm dead looking in my room. My mom is there. A giant trash, like um, the one you kind of put outside, is in the middle of my room. And my garment bags <sighs> are laying on the floor. Oh, no. Bridget. When Did I, you panic? My heart was in my <laughs> vagina. My heart was in my <laughs> vagina. And I distinctly remember this to this day. This is the reason why I think, like, let, allowing your kids to have their own privacy in their room. And not, and my mom would always, like— go through our room and, and take everything out and search it like like a prison, which I <laughs> which is traumatic, dear listeners. Don't do this to your children. Yeah. But so I, I walk in the room because I already know it's like the it's a fucking prison walk of all time, walk of <laughs> all shame of everything. And I get in the room and my mom's like, you, you want to you want to tell me something about you want to tell me something about these books? You know? And I was like, Mom, you know, I really, you know, I know that God really doesn't want me to read these books. And I've been feeling so ashamed and like convicted that I've been reading these books. So I've slowly been getting rid of them. I've been taking like three or four to school every day and just throwing them away or whatever. I was like, it's so wrong of me that I read these books. I like, and they will be gone. I promise they're just like, you can get rid of all of them. I'm not like, I really want to follow God. And my mom was like, okay, okay. And like nothing happened. She didn't beat my ass, nothing. She threw the books away and that was that. We didn't never talk about it. Again, and then she I found threw them away. Yeah, she, she like, threw away. I mean, it was them? it was hundred. I I stole all these from Walmart. Like, no, she thinks they're porn. She wasn't mad that you were stealing. She didn't oh, ask she, you, like, she, how you got. She them. didn't know that I was stealing them. She didn't ask me how I got them. So that's the other or whatever. thing. If you restrict kids from things like that, you stole shit because. You, oh yeah, I stole I hundreds. Steal, I never, never stole anything in my whole life. Yeah, no, totally. I didn't have to. Because you didn't have to. Exactly. And so I just got better at hiding them. So then I had a, a bucket in the garage, like um, one of those packing tubs that was under two other packing tubs uh-huh. where I hid the books. And then I had uh, clothes and stuff on top of it. And I had um, a couple <laughs> had a couple Bibles that I put Jesus at the top <laughs> or whatever. You weren't going to hell for some of the other things. This is it. Oh, my God. Putting the here. Bibles to hide your romance all, I had so many things. In the Bible, okay. So I the last you're prison. You're a literal prisoner who's carving out their Bible <laughs> interior to put other things oh, in yeah, there. Yeah. Okay, so I'll wrap this up with one one last little thing, which was the last way I used to get away with reading romance novels in front of my mom was, um, you know, you used to take a piece of paper or um, a bag, a paper bag, and make a book cover for your books to go to school. Mm-hmm. So I would do that same thing with romance novels. I would just take a piece of computer paper, like cover them up, and I'd write Pride and Prejudice like across the in, in like marker and in ink. Like or the Great Gatsby or whatever. She never was suspicious. She never I was like, oh, I gotta read this for school. She never My parents would be like, why is there a piece of paper on there? No, because we had to cover our books as a n- normal part of school anyway. Uh, like okay. we never had to cover those kind of books, but she didn't she just she, didn't, she didn't ask, ask too many questions about right. it. So I could sit in front of her and read a romance novel, and she thought I was doing homework. And Ooh. I used to do this all the time. Like, my dad just told me this morning, he's like, do you know I threw out, like, 2,000 romance novels out of the garage when we cleaned it? And I was like, yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. And that's after, like, the third dump of romance novels Jesus. or whatever. So Also, like, you should be in prison for the oh, amount God. of merchandise you clearly I already stole. told you I have my mug shot up at a Costco. <laughs> When I was like 16 or something. The only way I can relate to that is in class, 
when we were supposed to, I, I still do, but I would read the book immediately. So whatever, Great Gatsby. I would read it all that day or that week when we get the book for school. And then the rest of the time, everyone else is like reading in school or like going through the teachers asking questions. I would have whatever sci-fi or fantasy or romance novel I was reading inside of my other literature <laughs> book, like propped up on my table. So it looked like I was like paying attention and nodding along. But really, I was like deep in whatever, whatever novel I was reading. And my teachers would be like, but they would ask me questions, but I already read the book, so I already knew all the answers. Yeah. So it was totally fine. Also, as you know, I talk really fast. And I used to help all the kids in my English classes because they wouldn't read all the books. And they would crowd around and they'd be like, what happened? We have a pop quiz. And I'd be like, okay, this is what happened in the last three chapters. And I'd be like, da 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 they'd be like, okay, cool. And my whole section would always pass. Because I instinctively knew which parts of the last, like, three chapters were going to be important. Like, what's the main themes? Yeah. What's the main whatever? Uh, so I helped everyone pass. You're, like, you're welcome you're like a, if you're listening. <laughs> you're like a talking spark notes. I am a talking I love spark it. notes. Cliff notes. Spark notes? What's spark notes? Is that cliff notes? Is it the same thing? Same, I think they're, like, the same Competitors. thing. Competitors. But, like, my, like, we were banned from reading Harry Potter when I was a kid. So my sister told us the entire story. So you were, yeah. like, <laughs> you were like that for yeah. people. 100%. That's awesome. All right. Talk to me about the heroine. We talked about our... What's your rating? How many peach booties? Um, I actually gave her five. What? I know. What a shock. It's uh, super shock. Okay, because I, I rarely give out five. But I gave her a five because I felt like she was committed to her own self-growth mm-hmm. or whatever. And then when she had that moment at the end where she gets out the pool and he's like, put on a put on a shirt. And she's like, nah, dog, you ain't my daddy. Like, I was like, yes, slow cap by you, Carmia. So, like, I felt like she went from being like, you know, Rumspringa in the beginning mm-hmm. to really owning her shit at the end. And that's all that's what all I can really ask for. Okay. You know, she was right on trend for me. Uh, I gave her a three because while I totally agree with all your points, I still thought she was kind of bland. She is kind of bland. Yeah. So I, I gave her three. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, what do you think about Fury? I mean, if you could give him a zero, would you have given him a I zero? I would have given him a zero. I gave him a one because I had to. I just like, my notes just say I don't love. That's all my notes say about him. <laughs> I don't love. <laughs> like I would give like he's he's a one he he gets a one he's a McDreary <laughs> he's not McSteamy he's not McDreamy he's just McDreary first Mc of all sad face first of all I love Mc McDreary <laughs> that is really clever because I just said McWomp Womp like <laughs> <laughs> McWomp Womp <laughs> but yours is much wah. yours is like much more like. <laughs> It's got an E at the end. It's, it's just, it feels more. We should just add that to our list, McDreary. Yeah, like, McDreamy, McSteamy, or McDreary? Because I feel like there was a, one other person that I was a little bit like, yeah. about, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of our contemporaries. We had a McDreary before, I think. I forget who. We'll have to look it up. Uh, like rapey and <laughs> obviously, very vanilla sex. Yes. Uh, which is not a bad thing in and of itself. Uh, but in this case, I thought they actually had some good heat in like the two scenes that we got allowed to see any heat. And obviously, yeah. John Matthew and Zach's had a lot of heat going. I thought we saw and so much steamier stuff Blaylock from everybody, but and them. Quinn and Blay had like some simmer like on the back burner. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what's this? What's, <laughs> what's that? A little this? potpourri. <laughs> uh, yeah, but vanilla, vanilla. You know, that's vanilla. Yeah, it's, it's pretty vanilla. vanilla. I vanilla. I wrote that I thought everybody, like, I, basically everybody's scenes were way more interesting and, like, steamy, steamy, and, and steamy yeah. Than, yeah. than theirs were. I totally agree. Bridget, do you have a favorite line in the book? I did. And unsurprisingly. There's two? There's two. Actually, I only chose a second one because I really felt like because it is Fury and Cormier's book, I should give the line to them, but I didn't care about any of their lines. So 
I chose one for them, which is, she moaned as he pushed inside. Mm, he said into her ear, good evening, Shellen. She smiled and tilted her spine as he, so he could go even deeper. Hellrin mine, how fair thee. And I was like, now why wasn't the whole book like that? Exactly. Very polite, but super hot at the same time. Uh, but my real favorite was just once, Blaze said softly. Do it just once so I know what it'll be like. And I was like, the, the feels. The feels. I can't take the feels. Ah, uh, I love that line. I love them. I'm so excited for their book. It takes so long to get there. What was your favorite? Okay, so mine is not like romantic or whatever, but it's, for fuck's sake, get off the cross. Someone else needs the wood. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was, was Zetas oh. talking to Fury. Yeah, to Fury. That was a good one. I like that one. Uh, there was a few clever. They were very clever. There were a few clever. Yeah. Clever moments. There was, in this book specifically, I felt like there was a lot, maybe she was getting her groove mm-hmm. because I felt like the banter between them was much more interesting. I agree. I agree. I feel like, I mean, I do feel like writing-wise, it's getting it's getting better. Not that the first book was bad, but I definitely feel like if she could rewrite the first book, I think it would be better. Like, yeah. Wrath and Beth's story would be better if it was like she had written it fifth or something. Yeah. Oh, there was one. I I know my other quote. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the other quote is like deeply personal t- for me. I was like, hmm, which is, I love you forever didn't always need to be spoken to be understood. Mm. And I thought that was like a very like... Hmm. A little feelsy moment. Yeah, very feelsy. You don't always get feelsy with me, but I appreciate the feelsy. I know. I I, I rarely say... Uh, well, I always think I love you is so generic, like in yeah. general, you yeah. know? So I try to use other words to express how I feel about people that I feel are more accurate, you know? So to like my partner, I would rather say adore mm. than love because I love pizza. You know, but I don't adore pizza. Right. I'm not in adoration of pizza, yeah. you know. And so well, the, I think that in love and love are like such an interesting distinction in the English language. Yeah. Because so, like I do love pizza, but I'm not in love with pizza. But I'd rather like say to my partner, if I'm going to use the word love, I'd rather say like when they're walking out the door, I'd rather say like, I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Versus yeah. like, love you. Yeah. Like for me, it feels like such a throwaway. And even mm-hmm. when people say like, love you too. Like, that two on the end, it weirds me out. I don't like, it's like, oh, I'm saying this because you said it. It's not like, so I, generally if someone says, I love you, like yeah. my mom's like, I love you. I'm like, I love you. Yeah. And it's just that. It's just that statement. Yeah. It, I don't know. Words are weird yeah. for me that way. That's interesting. I say I love you constantly to my children and my husband. And they say it back all the time. They better. You birthed them. I say that all the time. I'm like, bitch, you better love me. You better love me. My husband doesn't say if we're like falling asleep. I'm like, motherfucker, you tell me. I said it. You didn't hear me up earplugs in. I can't sleep this new star. Tell me you love me louder. Louder. (laughs) All right, let me tell you my favorite review. It's from Jessica's totally over the top book obsession. She rated it 2.5 stars. And it was 2.5 really don't care for fury stars. And she's like, oh, God, where do I start with the hot mess that is Fury? This book is the one I like the least of all the books in the series, and that's because I really don't care for Fury. Let me just say that I like Cormia, but I don't really understand how she and Fury fell in love. He totally ignored her for, like, six months. And when they did spend any time together, uh, when did they spend time to fall in love? Fury's a drug addict, 85% of this book. He spends almost the whole time doing drugs, buying drugs, and talking to an imaginary voice in his head that he called the wizard. And us readers had to deal with the wizard's constant, stupid, boring-ass chatter for 90% of the book. And I was like, yeah, that sums it up for me. <laughs> I mean, the only reason I would give this book even a 2.5 or 3 is because there's so much good stuff that happens with the other characters. Yeah, but not, not but, them. But for if it was just their story, one. But if it's inclusive of everyone else... Three. 
If we're just talking about John, Matthew, Quinn, Blay, and Zex, five. Five. <laughs> five stars. Cut the fluff. Uh, so, so there is one review from our, our good girl, Wendy, in the Hula Hoop. Um, I just actually really like the title okay. of her thing. I'm not yeah. going to read her, her whole thing because it's really long. But the title is, Drugs Make You Stupid. You Shouldn't Do Them. <laughs> That's the title of her review. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. You, know. you got it. But like, uh, yeah. I mean, I did not, I really didn't feel like this was a romantic book. No. Like, it didn't feel like a romance. I agree. To me. This felt like a fantasy to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, so. I didn't, it, it was I didn't get, get that. I didn't get those H-E-A feels, you know. No. Did not get them. Uh, it's a make it through this book so you can get to the next one book. I was going to ask you if it's worth the read, but that's obviously what you think. Yeah. Make it through this book, get make to the next the book. one. You, I, you have to read this book because there's I, so much setup. Yes. For the next books. And I I think the angst that you get for John Matthew mm-hmm. and, and Blaine Quinn is worth reading this book. It's I like agree. the sacrifice you make. But I also feel like you could real fast skim through. And don't read the lessers. Everything. Yeah. Skip the lessers. Skim through. I really. Skip, if you guys read the lessers, please, God, tell me why. But skip the lessers and skim real fast through Cormia and Fury scenes. Just to kind of like keep an eye on where we are in the plot. But just read everyone else. And then this is a good book. That's what I said. Yeah. Literally in all caps. Only for the side characters. <laughs> Can people see like your Goodreads quotes that you make on your Kindle? They can't. Okay, so just go to like Bridget's Goodreads quotes. Yeah. And then you can find all, all the, the shit go- talking I did about this book. <laughs> all the good stuff. And where it is and where to skip to. <laughs> yes. And then all the good moments between all my favorite yeah. characters. They'll probably like, the feels. The feels. They will be marked by the feels and pound town. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to pound town. Pound town. <laughs> Everybody's going down to Pound Town. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Pound Town. Oh. i to talk to the hubs. All right, friends. Until then, may your books be your lover. And your hand your best friend. Yowzas! <laughs> we'll be back next week with Lover Avenged. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.